Amen. Are you ready to go? Listen, we started a series two or three, about three weeks ago on how to hear uh, God, and we entitled it, Where Did You Hear That? Have you ever had somebody come to you and say something, and you go, where did you hear that, right? Because I'm telling you what, there's all kinds of voices that want to speak into your life, just as God's Word is designed to transform your thinking, just as God's Word is, is, is basically uh, to transform your heart and your thoughts. The enemy has the same kind of strategy, and I'm telling you what, you get bombarded. So we really feel like it's important about once a year, once every year and a half or so, to teach a series on how to hear God. I, I, I wish that I had it down. Can I just be honest with you? I wish I had it down. Sometimes I miss the whisper, the whim, the hunch. Sometimes I don't when I read the revealed uh, will of God, when I, read, or when, when I read that. We covered that last week. But um, this, this, this morning, first of all, I want to establish once again that God primarily speaks to us by His Word. If we look in Hebrews 1, 1 and 2, long ago and at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom He also created the world. And then we see in John 1, 1 through 4, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the light was the light of men. And then finally in John 1, 14, and the Word became flesh. So we're talking about Jesus, y'all. And dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory is the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So we also covered that God also speaks to us as we pray, through prayer, by the Holy Spirit, through circumstances. How many of you, maybe this last week, felt like God spoke to you or showed something to you through some circumstance in your life? How many of you this week would say, that God spoke to you through community. Maybe somebody that's carrying the Spirit of God spoke something to you. And, and so we, we find that there's different ways. See, we're, we are people that you and I have been created to hear from God. I, I want to just say this again. We have been created to hear from God. A lot of times if you're not careful, you will allow somebody else to hear from God for you. My relationship with my wife in that covenant place means the primary form of communication is with her. Wouldn't it be really weird if people were always coming to me and saying, hey, Robbie said this to you, right? Robbie said this to you. Robbie wants you to know this. I'm like, hmm, that would be wrong. Why doesn't she just talk to me? Okay, so God will work through circumstances, but I want to I just, you know, my desire as a shepherd uh, maybe some of you are guests here this morning and some of you aren't, you're part of this house and I'm called your pastor. My desire as your shepherd would be to point you to the good shepherd. I'm just the under shepherd. But my desire was that you would develop an acute way of hearing God and be able to be directed because there's people around you, the community, your family, the, your community, they need you to actually be a recipient of what God is saying. So as we get into this, we find out that we're, we're people who are created to hear from God. We're actually people of revelation. 
Your, your life works better. You're fulfilled if there's an ongoing revelation of God in your, in your life, in your heart, in your thoughts, and vision. Uh, and, and if you don't have that, there's a perishing, if you will. In uh, Habakkuk, it declares that without vision, people perish. And I was just reading 1 Samuel 3, 1. It says, now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days, and there was no frequent vision. Now this is a point I want to just drive home right from the start. You want to know what God is saying, so don't let the word of the Lord be rare in your life. If you find that the word of the Lord is rare in your life, you'll find that there is a perishing of sorts that happens. You're not going to be fulfilled. You're not going to walk in the way that God has called you to walk. You're not going to walk in the joy, in the peace, in the direction, in the wisdom, if you not have that, that, that consistent voice of God and revelation. You need to open the good book and take a real good look. You know what I'm saying? In, 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 a, in, in a consistent manner. So, uh, worship is a way that God, we invite God's presence. And it, the Bible says that He abides in the praises of His people. And so when God abides, there's just things that shift in our thinking, in our, in our mindsets. I, I've had more, like, uh, so much revelation and vision given to me in a time of worship. I've had, I've had when, I, when I've come together, you know, with, with the believers, you know, I find that there's times when God convicts me, you know, it's like a forgiveness or maybe some, some bitterness or maybe some things that, 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 that I've been struggling with. And even in that, in that capacity of worship, God begins to speak to me and just sin, sin can keep you from hearing God. Now God doesn't go anywhere, but you notice that in the garden, Adam actually hid from, from God. Adam's sin, our first natural reaction is to actually withdraw from God. But repentance is a beautiful decision. Repentance is an act of your will. That you, you, you recognize, oh, I, I, need to, I need to turn from this and I need to turn back into God. You know, it's a lot easier to hear from somebody if you're near to someone. Amen? So I want to talk this morning about dreams and vision. Because God speaks, we, use, we, we see that God uses dreams and visions. There are over 200 references in the Bible to dreams and vision. If you take all the references to dreams and vision, and then books that were inspired through dreams and visions, it would encompass almost a third of your Bible. The book of Revelation, for example, was authored by the Holy Spirit through John in a vision. So when we, when we look at this, we would see dreams like when people were sleeping and then we'd see vision when people would be awake. There's times when I look at dreams and vision and I realize there's a dream and then the vision maybe is the activation of the dream. But, I, but, but as I'm kind of unpacking this, once again, the primary and foundational way that God speaks to us is by His Word. I don't agree with people who want to limit God and saying that's the only way that He does. That God doesn't, that can't, or won't speak or communicate in any other way. Because I don't see that. The consistent character of God is to use many things to speak to mankind. 
For example, Pastor Mitch mentioned this. There are reports of thousands of Muslims coming to the Lord every day. And what is bringing them to the Lord? It's not great worship. It's not great preaching. They're actually having dreams and visions of Jesus. I know a couple people personally that are right in the middle of that revival. And it is incredible what God's doing. That God's using dreams and visions to be a bridge to Jesus. So what are some of the history of dreams and vision in the Bible? We see that in Genesis 20, for example, that God protected a king named Abimelech from sleeping with Abraham's wife. If you remember the story, Abraham was, fear, was, was fearful, and so he told the king that, well, this is Sarah's my sister, and then the king took her, and then the Lord spoke to him and said, don't you touch her. We see in Genesis 28 that God uh, met Jacob in a dream. And it reveals a ladder from heaven to earth with angels descending and ascending. And Jacob has a revelation of the church and what it's supposed to look like. We see in Genesis 28, 16, that Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God and this is the gate of heaven. So then Jacob rose early in the morning and he took the stone that he put at his head, set it up as a pillar, poured oil on the top of it. So he activated something that he saw in a dream. And he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of that city had previously been Luz. Bethel means house of God. He got a revelation. God showed him basically what the interaction between heaven and earth was going to be with the church that Jesus was building. We see that in Genesis 37 that Joseph rises to power when, and, and, and God showed him a dream of his, of his family, his brothers bowing before him. How would you like your brother or sister to show up and say, hey, I had a dream and you're going to be like, uh, I'm going to have all authority over you. So I'm not sure that he actually released the dream. He probably should have done it quite like that because it got him thrown in the pit and God used it. But I found that sometimes when God drops a dream or vision into your heart, you need to guard it and protect it for a while because there's a lot of dream killers that abound. The enemy would come to kill, steal, and destroy the dream that God would put in your heart. I believe that abortion is a dream killer. Just saying it straight out. I believe we have an enemy that wants to, to take the very plans that God has for your life as, as for the lives of millions of children and basically kill that dream. We have a God who's a dreamer and he wants to actually dream through his people. And it's not your job. You need to hear me here. It's not your job to create the dream in your life. Sometimes we take ownership. But it's the journey for you to discover the dreams that God has put into you. He is the source of dreams. In Genesis 41, Joseph, we see that Joseph interprets the dream of Pharaoh and is promoted, saves the country and his family from famine. Dreams and vision in the Old Testament were a very common way that God spoke to people. We see in Numbers, I know there's a lot of scripture this morning, but we see in Numbers 12, 6, and he said, hear now my words. If there's a prophet among you, I, the Lord, shall make myself known to him in a vision, 
and I shall speak to him with him in a dream. Daniel had dreams from God to bring the revelation that scholars are still trying to unpack today. Trying to figure out end time stuff. 70 weeks of Daniel. Had a revelation in a vision and a dream that basically are impacting us today. Solomon's famous interaction. Most of you, if you've been raised up in church, you realize that the gift of God to Solomon was wisdom. Do you realize that God spoke all of that to Solomon while he was asleep in a dream? It says 1 Kings 3.5 In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream at night. And God said, ask what you wish to give. Ask what you wish me to give you. So we find out the next 13, 14 verses basically are all this interaction between Solomon and the Lord. And then we see in verse 15, and Solomon awoke, and behold, it was a dream. How many of you time out right there? How many of you have said, oh man, that was, that was just a dream? Come on, somebody. You know what I'm saying? It says, listen, and Solomon awoke, behold, it was a dream, and then he came to Jerusalem, stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord, offered up a burnt offering, peace offerings, and made a feast for all of his servants. He wouldn't have done that unless he understood this is significant right here. And what about the New Testament? Because some people say, well, Pastor, that's all Old Testament, and we're under the New Covenant today. Okay, we are. We're under the New Covenant. But Joseph, the husband of Mary, received instruction in a dream and a vision to flee into Egypt. We see that Pontius Pilate, his wife, warned him to not mess with Jesus because of a dream. Matthew 27, 19, while he was sitting, this is Pontius Pilate, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent him a message saying, have nothing to do with that righteous man, for last night I suffered greatly in a dream because of him. Or how about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the upper room? Peter was preaching, and he made this declaration after he saw the Holy Spirit just fall on these people miraculous spiritual languages, tongues. I mean, God's stuff was happening. And Peter declares this in verse uh, Acts 2.17. In the last days, it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Now there's a lot of time when I'm going to be like, you know, okay, I'm, I'm still like vision, 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 because I'm not sure about that old man dreaming dream stuff. But I finally started to own it. I'm like, okay. Because you know what happens? Some of you young people, you don't understand this yet. But your spirit never gets old. I mean, don't you wish you could like take everything that you know and put it in like a 30-year-old body? Oh man, I could do a lot of stuff when I was 30. I could still dunk a basketball when I was 30. I could jump off logs when I'm out hunting instead of lowering myself down real careful right now. (laughs) Back in the day, I could go in the woods and I didn't have to worry about getting out. Now I make sure somebody knows where I'm at, where I'm hunting. You just never know, right? I like having some of these. I spent some time with your son the other day. It was awesome. 
It was really cool because, like, I mean, no, no, number one, he's just a wonderful young man. And number two, I thought, this guy's really in good shape. I'm going hunting next week. I'll put him on speed dial just in case I get something. <laughs> Peter had a vision in Acts chapter 10, verse 9 through 16, where God showed him about the Gentiles being welcomed into the kingdom. Sheet descends from heaven. All kinds of unclean stuff on there. And said, Peter, kill and eat. Listen, we also find that God in the, in the same time frame visited Cornelius and he actually gave Cornelius a vision for confirmation. So it wasn't just Peter's interpretation. It was actually confirmed because there's a process. You've got to realize there's a process. In the mouth of two or three, let everything be established. Once again, the primary basis Trusted resource, not fake news, is to hearing God is the Bible. And I've seen time and time where people do foolish things in the name of I've heard from God. With no process to discern. That it become a, and it, become, it can become a prideful thing. Listen, we don't need a bunch of wingnut Christians. We need people that are basically word-based but they're also supernatural based. They're not afraid of divine things that are happening. Listen, if Jesus operated the way that Jesus operated, some of us would not be comfortable. We'd be okay with the healing. I'm not sure we'd be okay with basically watching him cast demons out of people. But if you take that out of his ministry, you've removed about 30%. The bottom line is that we have to be people of the Word we have to be people where the, the, there's no dream that's going to supersede the authority of God's Word, and we have to establish that. Dreams don't usurp the authority of Scripture, and there shouldn't be a chasing. This is my, my you know, kind of like disclaimer. There shouldn't be a chasing and elevation of dreams. In Ecclesiastes 5.7, it says, For in many dreams and in many words there's, there is emptiness, rather, Fear God. So just as I would say we shouldn't be chasing or the elevation of gifts. Pursue the giver. I want to give you a testimony, like three different instances where God spoke to me in a dream. Just my personal, my personal kind of what I walked through. And I also want to give you a disclaimer that I, I, I can remember three different times that God did that. And I've been a believer for probably at least 50 years. So, I don't know. You know, there's some people that run around like, man, God gave me a dream last week. God gave me a dream last night. God gave me a dream here. I'm like, mm, okay, maybe God likes to give you dreams more than he likes to give me dreams. This is just my reference point. But I want to be careful in this. See, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to say, listen, don't limit God. But don't let something be over usurp Scripture and the balance of being in the Word. So, I was serving as a youth pastor uh, back in the Omak Okanagan area. And uh, I was also driving for a company, big brown truck, deliver packages, wonderful brown color, you know, I love that. 
And, uh, you know, there was a point in time where I'm like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm content, but it'd be like, does God want me to really pursue going into vocational ministry all the time instead of just kind of what I was doing? And I was really kind of, you know, struggling with that. It's like, okay, what, what, what am I going to do? And I had a dream that I basically showed up for a job interview. The, and, and the dream was so vivid, and I remembered it so clearly. I showed up for a job interview, and I interviewed for a part-time job. But as I was walking through the interview process, and I remember the guy leading me through like the warehouse, the building, I realized, uh-oh, this guy's got it wrong. He's actually interviewing, interviewing me for a full-time job, but I'm only here for a part-time job. And when I woke up, I knew what God is speaking to me. That actually he was going to open the door and I was going to move into full-time vocational ministry. The second uh, dream that I had was really when we, um, it's when we came here from McCall to Old Town. It was one of the hardest things that I've done because my pastor, I'm just being super transparent, my pastor pastored the same church for 56 years. So he told, he told me, he said, when you go into ministry, you buy your grave, your burial plot. Because you're going to plant there. You're going you're gonna to love people. You're going to spend the rest of your life there. So that was my whole DNA. So we'd, we'd moved to McCall, Idaho. We, we merged with another church. We built a new church. The other church that came in, their pastor became my assistant pastor. It was like, yes, God is doing some amazing things. And then the church basically, it's like it still hadn't, it's like a blended family thing. It hadn't really quite come together. And it's like in Corinthians where Paul said, Some of you say you're a Paul, some of you say you're a Paulus is the body of Christ divided. And so the other pastor and I, who's a really good friend of mine, got together and we just came. The Lord spoke to us both and said, One of us needs to transition for this church to really come together. And so right away he said, Well, I'll resign. And I, 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 I told him, I said, you know, I think both of us have to be willing to die. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be willing to. That, that's the right thing to do. You know, Robbie and I agreed and we prayed. And so, so the next day I call our, our uh, MFI uh, regional director and I said, man, I said, uh, Larry needs to find a good place to go. Because even though I said I was willing to die, in my mind, I didn't think I was going to die. <laughs> and so he said, well, you know, house of the Lord, Stan can't find, a church, uh, can't find a pastor. He's went through five guys, and he's kind of at the end of his rope. And uh, maybe you should just go up and minister up there. And so Robbie and I came up here thinking, you know, well, we're going we're gonna to kind of spy out the land and see if it's a good place for Larry, you know, for the other guy. <laughs> That's what we did. And so I preached, and... You know, we met with the leadership, and then we went away, and on the way back, we were like, man, he really, Larry doesn't fit here very well, but man, we do. Oh, no, I'm going to have to die. <laughs> and it was hard. It was the hardest thing I did because there was this DNA in me that said, root deep and plant, right? It was in me. I mean, I, I told Jesus to kill me is how hard it was. I remember laying on my living room floors that just beam me up right now, Jesus. And so the amazing thing was 
we came back up and we stayed at the little eagle's nest here. And I'm, man, I am struggling. I find out later my wife is ready. She's like, she's had her, she's had her confirmation, but she's just waiting for me, waiting for me. And, and, I, and the Lord spoke to me at night, kind of half asleep, half dream, whatever. And I heard the Lord say, I've called you to Old Town. I've called you to Old Town. I've called you to Old Town. Six times I hear that. And it was still hard. But here's what I found out is like, it was almost like when I would go through some insecurity, I would go through some like, I don't know if this, I would just kind of step into that word and I would, it's almost like, it's like when the Lord said, I've called you to Old Town. It was like this sound wave that was, that kept reverberating. And every time I would have an insecurity, a, a thought, a, a fear or whatever, I just step into that sound. And it would confirm in my, in my spirit. But that wasn't the only confirmation. See, there's a process. So I found out later from Pastor Stan that the original founding pastor, when he, his last message, he preached Philippians 4, 8, 9. Finally, brethren, if anything be of true, just good report, think about these things. Stan felt like the Lord told him after leading for 15 years that he was going to preach that same passage of Scripture. So remember when I told you that we came up, I'm kicking the tires for the other guy? That's the passage of Scripture I ended up preaching, unbeknownst to him. Every time we turn around. So you've you got a multiple processes to do it. And then finally... After about three years, and I, I never even show, shared this with my elders. After about three years, the pastor that we had handed the church over to was in a really bad motorcycle accident and wasn't able to continue. I got a call from one of my elders and said, hey, you know, he's resigned. Would you come back? And like in my heart, I'm like, I can't, I don't think I can do that to these people. But let me pray. Let me at least pray. So I prayed, and I think it was within a week I had another dream. And the dream was I was in this brown truck delivering packages again. <laughs> and I showed up to this place that I'd been delivering on my route for years and years and years. And in the dream, I'd actually come back, you know, into that, into that position. And this store owner comes out, and he was like, what are you doing here? You don't belong here anymore. And I woke up and I realized God had just spoken to me that this is where I'm planting. This is where I'm planting. Listen, you and I were created to dream. And for some of you here this morning, I think the devil has obliterated your, your dreams or maybe even your ability to dream. It says in Psalm 126.1, a song of ascents, when the Lord brought back the captive ones of Zion, we were like those who dream. Can I have our worship team uh, make their way up? Over the years, and, and, and really from time to time, I've sensed, I've, I feel like one of the things that God has put in me is, is to encourage people to dream again. Because without vision, people perish. 
and your vision and your dreams are getting assaulted on a consistent basis. Or what you hear is filtered. You know, you get, you get this filter, you got that filter, and you're just trying to figure out, how do I find my way? How do I find this, the pathway that, that helps my steps? If the, if the Word says that the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord, how do I find those steps? I, I just sense the Lord wanting to encourage you. The dream that began in the heart of God for this area, for the unfolding of the dream, in the heart of pastors and leaders and people that God has, has brought to this place. The dream and the vision that God has for the local church. The gathering of a committed body of His people that He may pour out His dreams and vision and imaginations. That's part of my heart, is to be part of a church that dreams. I don't, want to, I don't want to be part of a church that just goes through the motions. I want to be part of a church that understands that God's got imaginations. For I know the thoughts that I have for you. I know the plans that I have for you. And then are, really, are, are willing to be receptacles of that. And then walk in fulfilling them walking them out you got to remember we're not the originator of the dreams of God but we're the recipients and we're the discoverers of the dreams and then there's a tension and a weight if you will in regards to the fulfillment of that dream here's the deal our pastors our elders we can't carry everything that God has dreamt because he's using you he's using us together he's building a house you know, and every house has got, you know, there's a foundation and a cornerstone, which is Jesus. There's walls, which speak of support. There's a roof, which speaks of government. I preached a, a series on dreams a number of years ago. And someone asked me afterwards, Pastor, what's your dream? And my dream is the same part of a church where God is moving so profoundly that people move to the area not because it's Idaho, not because it's a great place to hunt or fish not because it's a great place to retire in Newport but because God is reviving, He's renewing He's calling people to Him there's grace, there's miracles and healings that are happening families are being restored and established and blessed and I'm also dreaming I'm dreaming the way that God wants me to dream and wants you to dream along with him and I, I pose the same question to you that I have asked myself at times because there's times man you just kind of feel like man I'm I'm good I'm fired up I'm I'm moving along this is good and then there's times when it's just like man what am I doing do I make a difference? Is there anything? What, what are you doing, God? And I realize, man, sometimes I get distracted. It's captivated my attention. And if I believe that God has plans, visions, and dreams, I also believe that he's, I've been creating His image, then it's time to dream again. To wake again to the possibilities. And after all, the Bible says that we have the mind of Christ 
And in having the mind of Christ, we should be people who dream. 1 Corinthians 2.16, For who has understood the mind of the Lord is so to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. That means if God's dreaming, you're dreaming. If God has imaginations, he's dropping them into you to fulfill that. For some of you, God dropped in from his heart, his imaginations, just to build your family, to start a business, to impact your community, to impact the region, to build something that lasts, to leave a legacy, to not just be content to just kind of figure out how to go from day to day, but to have an eternal perspective, eternal vision. What's the dream of God for you? Are there empty dreams? Are there material dreams? And dreams without a plan, without action, are really called a fantasy. I might have a dream to be healthy, but if I don't take steps to be healthy, it's just a fantasy. Can I ask you this morning, are you chasing pipe dreams? Do you have a healthy process of hearing from God? Jesus said, come, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, and then you can dream again. Some of you this morning, you need the dream revived. Some of you need the dream restored and renewed. And some of you might even need a new dream. But I'm telling you what, I'm here to encourage you today to dream again. When the captives, when we were set free, we began to dream. And I believe there are people here this morning that you need to have a dream. And God wants to speak to you. Can you just bow your heads and your hearts with me for a moment? I'd actually like our prayer teams to come up right now. Because I believe we're going to be praying for some people this morning that need their dream renewed, need their dream restored, need their dream revived, need their dream refreshed, need some encouragement in that area. And we're going to, we're going to, our worship team is just going to lead us again in, in, in just a chorus or two. But before I do that, I want to ask this question with every head bowed and eye closed. If you're here this morning, maybe you're online with us, and you're saying, I've never opened my heart to this Jesus. Maybe you feel His presence, His grace. The Holy Spirit's inviting you and pulling on you and knocking on the door of your heart, and you're saying today, I want to give my heart to this Jesus. I'm going to tell you, you'll start dreaming. And your dreams will be different than what you've ever imagined. If that's you, that we do this in community. We do this in family. It's not just a personal relationship with Jesus. Okay, we want to walk this out with you. If that's you this morning, and you're saying, Pastor, I want to open my heart. I want to turn. I want to repent and turn to Him. I want to declare Jesus as Savior of my I believe today. I want you to just put your hand up. Just raise your hand this morning. If you're saying, today I want to believe. Thank you. Anybody else this morning? Today I believe. Today I walk. Anybody else? Thank you, sir. Anybody else? Today I believe. Today I walk with Him. I turn my Can we put our hands together and celebrate with a couple people today? 